You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen, and I'm your host for today. Last week, I did the European preview with Rafael Barlow, my fellow Locked On NBA Draft co-host. If you haven't heard that yet, give it, a, give it a listen. The European seasons are all starting to get underway. Spain started this last weekend. Italy starts this upcoming weekend. France starts the weekend after. And pretty much after that, everything's in full swing. So you won't want to miss that. And the previous episode prior to that, I talked in the Southeast Division. I've been doing some previews. I was going to do the whole NBA preview, but... I don't think there's going to be enough time before opening day in order to do that. So I'm just going to limit it to the two teams that I cover and know the best, which are the Orlando Magic and the the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm doing their divisions, what to look for in the Southwest division overall, and mostly with an emphasis on recent draft picks, especially the 2020 and 2021 NBA draft picks. For those five teams, that's the Memphis Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks, Houston Rockets, San Antonio Spurs, and the New Orleans Pelicans. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So let's go ahead and start with the team that is likely to finish at the bottom of the division and arguably be the worst team in the Western Conference. But there are some loaded parts of that. So first of all, the Houston Rockets. They are probably going to trade John Wall, and you know he is owed one of the biggest contracts in the NBA. I think it's $44 million. He is likely out. The, the Rockets have said they're going to try and get him um, to a place where he prefers and somewhere that they don't have to – that they don't, you know, they don't want to just buy him out. Like that's, that's not the end game for them. So the Houston Rockets have an interesting season, though, because their picks are – I believe it's – protected lottery um to an extent there's some weird protections yet again with the houston rockets um there was some weird stuff in 2021 where they got the best of they kept their pick but only under certain circumstances and i believe that it's the similar thing this year and i know they get another first round pick from miami that's lottery protected and miami's probably going to be a playoff team so i don't know with the protections being on 2021 I don't know how that carries over to 2022, but I'm pretty sure they have their own pick pretty safely. So for the Houston Rockets, basically their year is going to be purely player development. They found some nice hidden gems last year as rookies, not all of them from the 2020 NBA draft, but Kenyon Martin Jr. was, he found his role as an energy front court player, kind of positionless, depending on how that jump shot comes along. It's a big step for him, but pretty good defender, great athlete, great finisher. They also had Jay Sean Tate, who is a great defender, really good small five. Um, I don't even know if he's necessarily small ball five. He's just kind of a small five that does a great job at being just that. So obviously some things will change with the Rockets uh, as the time of recording this. Ben Simmons has not been traded. And just a few minutes ago, you know, there was the news that broke about Ben Simmons not wanting to report and that he's insistent he's going to be traded. So the Houston Rockets are obviously a potential destination, but that would change a lot because I want to see what this team looks like without any external additions. I think it would be pretty good for the development of the team for Jalen Green to be the number one leading player in terms of touches. 
Josh Christopher to be able to sneak into the rotation. I don't know how soon that happens. I don't I don't think regardless of Ben Simmons trade or not, if Josh Christopher will actually be a rotation player for the first month and a half or even till really the turn of the calendar into January. And then Alperin Shangun and Usman Garuba, those are two front court players that I'm really interested to see. That's now four front court players that all play pretty similar positions. And those two, Kenyon Martin Jr. and Tate, uh, Jay Sean Tate. So those are the front court's going to be loaded. They have a pretty interesting roster, but overall, their whole outlook is just going for 2022 draft and trying to get that number one pick where. I don't even know what they would get at this point because their roster doesn't have one particular area of need. You could maybe, you could probably say point guard is the area of need, but there's not like, to me at least, there's not some dominant point guard at the top of this draft. I think the top of this draft is going to be a front court player for the most part. You're probably looking at Paolo Bonchero, Chet Holmgren, and if not him, maybe Jaden Hardy. But even then, it turns right back to front court players because it goes to, you know, you could say Jalen Duran is in the mix. AJ Griffin, there, there's are those are all forward pluses, and Jalen Duran is a big man. Like it, it's not a great year to have a point guard, so I think Houston's just going for the best available player. So the Houston Rockets are a pretty interesting team. Next up, I'll do this one actually very quickly because there's just not a lot to talk about. But the Memphis Grizzlies have an interesting season ahead of them after a rather bizarre. Offseason, you know, they traded from 17 to 10. People thought they were going to go after Josh Giddy. He didn't even end up being there. It kind of fell on their face, but unintentionally, it wasn't It wasn't something that I don't think many people could have predicted or even potentially seen coming. Anything, it was almost out of their control, but what they did after was fully in their control. And I wasn't a big fan of it because, one, they took on Steven Adams, who probably his best year is behind him when he was in Oklahoma City, which it was a great year that year. So it's not like a huge insult. And I do think he was a big misfit in New Orleans, but they also got rid of Jonas Valanciunas, who was probably one of the most efficient big men in the entire league in terms of per minute. He was a walking 20 and 15 per 36. I mean, he was ridiculous in the minutes he had, obviously he had some shortcomings, especially on the defensive end. And, you know, he wasn't he was a great rebounder but couldn't stretch the floor but Steven Adams doesn't either and he has more injury issues so I'm concerned about that and then on top of that they they got in the draft at number 10 Zaire Williams a guy who I was not comfortable even taking first round he's so raw of course if it works it was a great pick because his potential is probably top eight in this class I mean it's it's Pretty dang high being a 6'10 shot creator. We, we know some of the other 6'10 shot creators in this league. It's a very short list, um, including some players such as Kevin Durant. I'm blanking on a couple of, off the top of my head, but I mean, it's a pretty coveted position to be a pure like shot creator at that height. But he's very far away. I published something this morning on Tuesday that um, what everyone's worst and best case scenario looks like in first Zaire, it's comes down to just can he hit jump shots consistently because that was the difference between a good and a bad game at Stanford for him was the good games he he was hitting from jump shots with his jump shots mid-range three-point shot whereas when he was missing it was you could see the three-point percentage was under 25 percent under 20 percent I mean it was just brutal games then you go to the end of the first round where they had the 30th 30th pick and they traded with Utah they who eventually that pick turned into uh some one way or another, Utah got Jared Butler, who I think would have been a phenomenal pick at 30. And instead, they took Santi Aldama, a guy who wasn't in my top 100, wasn't 
on my radar beyond maybe some two-way contracts, and he was insistent that he didn't want to come over. And they took him anyways. He, I think he is coming over now. Um, Lockton Grizzlies has gone at Sean Coleman there. He has gone extensively in, in depth over that pick. So I'm not going to talk a ton about it, but it was just a confusing offseason. I don't think their rookies are going to do much, um, but they have an interesting season ahead of them. The last, the, the last team before we go to break that I'll talk about is New Orleans Pelicans because that's also a quick one. Kyra Lewis last year in 2020 was a great pick at the end of the lottery. I thought that was a great upside pick. I thought he could have contributed a little bit more than he brought, but the Eric Bledsoe addition blocked him, and then also the Pelicans just weren't as good as they wanted to be, and they weren't tanking. They were just accidentally bad. But Kyra Lewis is high speed. He can defend players. He can drive. And once that jump shot comes consistent, you're looking at an immediate rotation player. The problem is, yet again, like I said, with the Bledsoe blocking, is they just added Devontae Graham, who is another player that's stepping up in front of him. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is expected to take another jump. What is What do his rotation minutes look like? Does he even get in the rotation? And that worries me for year two. Obviously, the intention was never to have him as a year two player, but... It is a little bit alarming, and I would have liked to see how that played out. They also got one of my other draft favorites, former teammate of Kyra Lewis, Herb Jones, a phenomenal defender who, with an incredible work ethic. He is a he improved his jump shooting percentage from 7% to 35% this year at Alabama as a senior. Worked hard night and day. He told me, you know, that was the thing that over the pandemic, that was what he worked on the most and that he just put his mind to it, and, and he really just put in the work for as long as possible leading up to the season after the world, you know, after it was just all you could do was be in a private gym. So I'm interested to see if he gets rotation minutes, good passer as well. But the Pelicans at 17 with that, um, with that Grizzlies pick that I talked about that they traded, they took Trey Murphy, the third, a 50, 40, 90 player in college, phenomenally rare, has probably one of the easiest, most seamless transitions into the NBA. And that is to play next to Zion Williamson as a spot up shooter and nothing else. And with Trey Murphy, he might get 50, 40, 90 consideration. Um, he might flirt with it. Obviously, it's not an award. But he might get near it where he's like at 48, maybe probably crosses the 50% line. It's just will that three-point percentage be 39 or 40%? That's really the question mark. Because last year, the league average was 37%, 37.5% from three. I have zero doubt that Trey Murphy finishes over that, especially with the looks he'll be playing next to Zion Williamson from and Devontae Graham, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Brandon Ingram. They've got a really good core that helps him just do what he does best. It's a perfect landing spot for him. Everyone that I've talked to in New Orleans loves him uh, or that has talked to someone in New Orleans absolutely loves him. And on top of that, the Pelicans have some really favorable picks in the 2022 NBA draft. They got they got their own pick. The Lakers pick is protected 11 to 30. That's not conveying. But they also have Cleveland's second-round pick. They have their own second-round pick, and they have Utah's second-round pick. It's a pretty good combo. They'll probably trade at least one of those just because teams like New Orleans that are slim on roster spots and also in that part of the rebuild don't really keep all those picks. So they're going to be an intriguing trade partner. Um, but when I come back, I'm going to preview the San Antonio Spurs and the Dallas Mavericks pretty deep. Uh, you won't want to miss that. But first, a quick word from Sweatblock and Bet Online. Sweatblock is currently number one in Amazon antiperspirant category. It's doctor created, doctor, re doctor recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. I can guarantee this. It even works 
through workouts. I've had intense basketball games where I played for two, three hours, and I come back and I don't have to reapply deodorant. I, I still do out of safety and out of just being nice to people that I might be around, but it really works very well. You don't have to worry about insane body odor. That stuff just doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen with sweat block. It's your little secret to confidence. And I can't get, I can't recommend this enough. If you or someone you love is dealing with, you know, deodorant issues and their deodorant runs out quick, everyone knows someone who has had that or it's happened to you, go to CVS and get it, get Sweatblock, or go to Amazon and you and get Sweatblock, or go to sweatblock.com and get it for 20% off with promo code locked on, and that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D. O-N. That's sweatblock.com and use promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And, but you know, as I said earlier, European basketball is in full swing. There's a lot of sports are right now in full swing. This is about the peak time of sports and there's no better place to bet on any sport that you want right now since almost everything is happening. European soccer is going on. Baseball is happening. Basketball comes back in three weeks. I know, or four weeks, I guess. I know it sounds unbelievable. Baseball's postseason is happening. Football is back, both NFL and college. Use Bet Online. They're your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this year. Has a new updated site. It's really cool. And new interface with more odds, more props, and more contests. And Bet Online, because of that, continues to be the number one source for betting. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. And yeah, that's bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Use promo code locked on again, one word, L O C K E D O N. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So as promised, the San Antonio Spurs deep dive is coming. This is, I'm not, it's not going to be too terribly long, but I think the Spurs have one of the most absolutely intriguing upcoming seasons because it's, pop, it's very possibly Greg Popovich's last season. Josh Primo was the surprise pick of the entire draft. I don't think anybody saw him at 12 coming. Even me, who I had him, I think, going to, I want to say, at New York uh, at 19. It was like the highest I could see him going maybe 20 to Atlanta. I thought those were two possibilities and I thought I was being a little bit too optimistic for him as someone who I really enjoy watching and who I really wanted to root for. But he ended up going in the lottery at, at number 12 and it doesn't surprise me that it was San Antonio because as someone who has talked to him, he's a ridiculously nice guy. He fits the San Antonio culture of just the personality and everything that he strives to be. He's a high upside player. He passed up going back as a sophomore to Alabama, where he would have been probably the very youngest sophomore in the draft, similar to Kyra Lewis last year, where he was 18 for at draft time or at the end of the season, something like that. Similar thing would have been done for Josh Primo. So the Spurs grabbed him before the upside hit in college, and they let themselves be the team to develop that upside themselves. So what's interesting about it is the Spurs' current roster, they also have DeJounte Murray. They also have Derek White. They have Lonnie Walker. They have Bryn Forbes they brought back. So that's five guards that I don't know how the minutes get dispersed. And then on top of that, granted, if this happens, not all five of those are going to be there. But Ben Simmons is is being linked to San Antonio. That's a team that has consistently been involved in the sweepstakes. I think that's a little bit of a risk. If Personally, I would not do that if I was San Antonio. I'd rather try to bottom out if you had to choose that or Ben Simmons and say salvage Popovich's last season, I would say just 
you know, emotionally, it's very hard. I saw this as a Mavs fan when the Mavs tried to extend Dirks last year when he was 38, try and keep giving him teams to the playoffs. But ultimately, it's just the wrong thing to do long term because you're only holding back the inevitable. Obviously, there is the caveat, the condition where you have to say, is this draft class even worth tanking for? Which is a legitimate question. I'm not sold on this class having a super number one just yet. It also doesn't help that we haven't seen them play against college competition. I'm still not all the way there on Chet. Paolo has some issues that I want to see him work out where, uh, and that's Paolo Bonchero at Duke, where he is a power forward that can do a lot. He's super athletic, great size, but can he be a a good shooter even year one? That kind of worries me in long term as well. So I need to see those two things, th- those come around. Chet Holmgren, obviously, with the jump, with uh, just the skinniness. I-, I trust his jump shot, but his skinniness and the frame and putting it all together, it's really, I- the idea of him is incredible. If he does hit a Gonzaga, absolutely, he's the guy in the draft. But the Spurs need to ask themselves, is this a draft that they tank for? And that'll help answer a lot because you could punt this year's draft to an extent. And by punt, I mean just not picking you know the top 10. And with Ben Simmons, you might have to give up a pick, though, for this year. So it's a very intriguing give and take. I think they should move on from Derek White. I I wasn't a fan of the contract. He just can't stay healthy. And he's very good when healthy. But even then, his ceiling per game is pretty limited. Um, I see him as a high rotation player more than like a solid starter. I have some issues with that. But they just seem like a team that's very meant to be either like it tops out at like an 11 seed. And I'm not saying this as a bitter Mavs fan that saw his teams, you know, get crushed by Tim Duncan, Monty Ginobili, and Tony Parker. But genuinely speaking from a team-building perspective, I don't know what the Spurs should do this year. And if they get Ben Simmons, I think it really blocks the development of Josh Primo, at least for the next two two years, including this season, so this season and next. And I, I just don't really know what they do with Primo because they have Lonnie Walker. Like I said, they have DeJounte Murray. They have all these, gu- these guards who are pretty young and they're also still trying to get even better. Like DeJounte Murray is nowhere near what he should be. So the Spurs are in an interesting position. Should they be mediocre? It's not the worst thing. I think the middle of the draft, the first round will be pretty decent for him this year. They also own Detroit's second round pick. Detroit is slated to not be that great. They're probably looking at an end of top 10 pick again this year, barring health. And they also own the Lakers second round pick, which will be a 50 to 60 pick, which has minimal value. So the Spurs are in a really interesting position, and I don't even think that Spurs fans know what they want with it, uh, with this season, but it all comes down to how they want to go around Greg Popovich's potentially last go-around, like his last dance. And um, personally, if it were me, if I'm just going to weigh in, I think they should trade if, if they're going to do something. I mean, I, I, think, I think they should do whatever it takes to bottom out. Um, as soon as possible. If it's not going to be this year, if you want to, I understand going in for Greg Popovich again, saw it with Dirk Nowitzki, you have to bottom out next year. It's only the best thing you can do, I think. You let Josh Primo kind of get some keys to the offense a little bit early and let him see what development he does. The still overarching theme of the Spurs is going to be there. Just a huge staple will be lost. But I think ultimately the Spurs do need to reevaluate the direction of their franchise and see when they want to go about this rebuild and who stays and who goes. And that was only the guards. I mean, they have a good problem at, at front court. Do they keep Yaka Pirtle? I think they should. And then they have, they signed a bunch of guys recently, Doug McDermott, uh, like I said, Bryn Forbes, Zach Collins in free agency. Um, they're just in an overall interesting position. But when I come back, I'm going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. But first, a uh, quick word from Rock Auto. 
This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto instead, and why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, anything, you name it. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, my name is Richard Stamen. You might know me better as at Mavs Draft. For this final portion of the show, I'm going to talk about my Dallas Mavericks, the team that I cover the most, and what I expect from this them this year, what I expect from them in the draft. They finally have a pick again. They have it in the even years until 2025, I believe. And then also just uh, about some of the young guys from 2020 draft and and. Josh Green and Tyrell Terry. So let's start actually right there with Josh Green and Tyrell Terry. So Josh Green was someone who I was very fond of coming out of the draft. I had him at 17 or 16 on my board, depending on the day. He was someone who I just felt was one of the best defenders in the class. Incredible passer, albeit wasn't a great dribbler and different, very different kind of passer. As we got to see a little bit, the flair in transition that he had in Arizona really carried over. I called him a generational midair passer, had some of the craziest passes with insane accuracy. And to me, that was an upside flash of what he could do as a passer. Just phenomenal vision, super creative. And I thought at 6'7", 6'6", 6'5", whatever he's, depending on the day I've seen him listed at all three, I thought that was a really phenomenal trait. However, the jump shot I didn't really trust in this year, it was pretty abysmal. He shot 16% from three on very few attempts, just 25. That was four of 25. So not very strong showing on that. But there are promising flashes. I've tweeted a lot about him, again, covering the Mavs. And Josh Green, for me, the thing that he needs to do and become is just specialize as a defender. Hopefully we get one of those stereotypical, he added 10 pounds of muscle things on media day, because if he actually did, That would do wonders for him. We've seen him get bullied by wings such as Kawhi Leonard. I mean, bulldozed him. And I don't think Josh Green is weak or skinny. He's not any of those things. He doesn't need to add a ton of strength. He just needs to get strong enough to hold some of the premier wings in the league, which granted, almost nobody can. I think that would do a lot for him. Offensively, I want to see him be a little bit more of a cutter. And I guess my biggest question for me is we've always seen, as Mavs fans, we've always said, you know, Rick Carlisle, can't develop a rookie and granted I, I think there's a there's some myth to that where you look at who the Mavs have drafted and who they've given them it's it's like giving him a two and a three in a poker or two and a nine or something and saying all right do something with it and it's just it's not a winning hand um granted I'm not a huge poker player so that that analogy was terrible call me out but you get my point is that it's not like you're getting a king and a queen every time and then Rick Carlisle's just like you know what we fold that's, that's not what's happening. He's getting Jared Cunningham. He's getting Ricky Lita. He's getting Dennis Smith. None of these guys are exactly torching the league right now. Shane Larkin over Giannis. Like, that's not a Rick Carlisle problem. That's a, what else is he supposed to do? 
So with this being the first year that Rick Carlisle has gone with Jason Kidd, maybe Josh Green gets a little bit different approach in the system. Maybe he gets more trust as a defensive specialist. Maybe he gets more trust as a cutter. Maybe he gets the ball a little bit more. Maybe he gets to be a spot-up shooter and work on improving that 16%. Even if it's just to the high 20s, that's a drastic change if he can take one a game and eclipse over 11 minutes per game that he averaged this year. Tyrell Terry is a whole different story. I don't want to comment on a lot because we just don't know. He played in 11 games. Most of those were early in the season. And then he missed almost half the season, it felt like, with personal uh, with personal reasons, which that is all, you know, whatever he needs to do, I fully understand and fully in support of these players and getting that t- personal time when they need it. It's just really hard to evaluate him. He was the first pick of the second round. The Mavs uh, passed up getting Desmond Bain at 30, I, I think, Still think that would have been an incredible get, as we saw he's an all-rookie member, which if you followed me for the last three years, I tweeted about Desmond Bain being, you know, best shooter in the class whenever he comes out. I thought he was going to come out in 2019. Um, he decided to go back to TCU and really raise that stock from fringe draftable to where in the first round does he go. And obviously he went 30th, but he went and made all-rookie team. That was a ridiculously obvious pick to me as someone who got to see him at TCU for four years. Uh, three and a half years, really. I didn't know who he was as a freshman, admittedly, but um, at the end of the freshman year, I kind of saw him. And then as a sophomore, I saw him rise. Um, but regardless, Tyrell Terry, we really didn't get to see much. There's almost no analysis I can offer. He averaged one point a game in five minutes of per game in 11 games. So that's 55 minutes that he played. Really not even anything worth talking about on the court. Just as much as you can talk about it as a prospect is really all you can say. And for me, I watched a good amount of him at Stanford ridiculously skinny. He's not going to be a good defender in the NBA. There's just very little hope in that. Even if he does add weight, he's 6'1", 6'2", but great shooter and really good playmaker, high IQ. And the hope for him for Dallas is that he can just be a 12th, 11th man that you can rely on and say, hey, we need some shooting and light playmaking. And for a team that doesn't have much playmaking, that's valuable. And for a team that also has Luka Doncic, who you need a secondary playmaker that can also spot up with, and even Jalen Brunson, that would I think it would help both both players a lot. That That is something you need. So Tyrell Terry, the hope is that he could maybe sneak in as a fringe rotation player. That would be a big win in year two. I think year three is where you want to see him be that rotation player. And going back to Josh Green, since I didn't give a long-term Outlook. If Josh Green can be a fringe, like if he's the seventh man, fringe starter kind of guy where you're comfortable putting him on other wings and he can cut and finish and just be an off-ball player offensively, that's plenty, especially next to Luka. The offense can come. I mean, jump shooting seems to be one of the easiest skills to develop in the league for guys. I mean, Brooke Lopez was a guy who couldn't really shoot a ton outside of 15 feet for a while. Now he's raining threes. He's got insane range. Mark Gasol wasn't much of a shooter eight, 10 years ago, and now you know, obviously he's now probably out of the league, but he was a shooter in, in Toronto. It was a big part of why they won a ring was his shooting. So shooting isn't that hard to develop, but the Mavs need to pretty much for going forward. The Mavs have their pick. They have their pick again in 2024. Uh, they do not <clears throat> They do not have their pick in 2023 because of the Kristaps Porzingis trade. And that's the last, next year is the last year, uh, excuse me, two years from now, is the next, is the last year that, uh, Dallas owes anything for Kristaps Porzingis. So that'll finally be over, and then they can start moving picks again and likely just not care about draft picks because that's not the unfortunate truth under Mark Cuban. It's just the draft has always been second, um, third, fourth place in, in the hierarchy. 
But this year, the Mavs own their own picks, their first and second round pick, no incoming, no outgoing uh, picks or anything. And they are likely to finish in the at the worst, I would say 18 yet again. They've been around that range. They were 19th, I believe, or 21st this year. They, that's where the Knicks had their pick. Can't remember which one it was, but I want to say it was 21st considering they were the five seed. And they also are probably just going to be better. My prediction for them is 50 to 55 wins. They were a 50-win team on an 82-game season pace with COVID, with horrible inconsistency, chemistry issues. Chris Sobs didn't play defense. Uh, Luca couldn't close some games. So I think they're a 55-win team. I'm very confident in saying that the only thing that can stop them is health. I don't think – I personally don't think Jason Kidd is going to – hurt them that much. I don't think, I think it's almost going to be a, Hey, let him do his thing and let Luca get his and get out of the way. And I think that's honestly the best approach on um, some areas of need. I would say for the Mavs for 2022 are probably going to be bolstering the wings, get hopefully a three and D player and get a ball handler. Uh, I think those are the whole, the biggest needs you could say, maybe a big man, but big men are just, they take very long to develop. They're probably better off getting that in free agency, a veteran who is established and can learn the game quicker or learn the system quicker than a rookie could. And then you don't have to deal with the development curves and all that. But the Dallas Mavericks have a very intriguing upside for this year and long term. I'm very excited to be able to cover the Mavs again with the draft pick. It was a whole lot of fun in 2020. And I think that just building around Luka Doncic is one of the most phenomenal stories and and just ideas and theories that you could have and i think everybody wants to be in that situation i'm very blessed to be having them as my main team that i cover so going to be a lot of mavs content this nba draft season just because that's the nature of them and magic uh just because i cover both teams but thank you for listening to this episode next week um probably going to talk about some of the european prospects but for the remainder of this week you have the draft dummies tomorrow on wednesday and then Raphael again on thursday always great i cannot recommend them enough recommend them enough had had Raphael on my show last week hoping draft dummies soon so go ahead and check them out thanks for listening again my name is richard stamen aka maps draft go ahead and leave five stars however you review just to get you know our name out there and everything and thank you and have a great rest of your day